Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pump Fake um, Believe Network. I am Jared Bailey. More striking than usual, Jared Bailey. I haven't trimmed my face in so long, Doug. It's so good to see you today, my friend. How are you? Well, you're looking all snappy with the, you know, pop. Yeah, pop. I mean, I, I, uh, I've got a, a solid collection of just, you know, just casual jacket wear. Big fan of just uh, fall wear, I guess is a good way to good word for it and it's october now it's getting chillier here in pittsburgh i'm sure uh in uh washington where you are it's a little bit on the brisker side too so yeah it's just just felt appropriate yeah we're into our uh six month cloudy spitty rainy season we just got that going so there that we're. sounds lovely like i don't know how you feel about gloominess but i i i love it i love it so much i'm just glad i don't have seasonal affective disorder or whatever it's called because right i can't hear if you do that's Those that's very true <laughs> But obviously a lot to get into. Um, week five, I think once we get into, you know, what the first month is done, we'll start getting to the middle of October. We kind of see teams start to separate and whatnot. And we're seeing that a little bit, um, especially near the top of the league, top of the conferences with Miami Dolphins, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I wrote a piece on it for Touchdown Hour, which you can all go read right now. Uh, That's right. How dominant they have. Both of them are just blowing me away right now. If you look at, the advanced stat side of it. If you find one, you're finding the other right now, where, okay, an EPA per play right now, the Dolphins lead the lead, the 49ers are second. With that EPA per play number, if the Dolphins stay on this pace, it's the best EPA per play for a team in the last decade. So right now, what they're doing right now is, like, we shouldn't take it for granted what Miami is doing, what the 49ers are doing, the fact that we're getting two like historically great seasons at the same time. It's incredible. Yes. And the interesting thing about, you know, teams develop a perceived personality. And I think with the, the Niners, it's the Kyle Shanahan run game and all the motions and all this. With the Dolphins, it's speed down and, you know, Hill and Waddle running verts and Tua hitting guys in stride and, and whatnot. And that's all true. But the Dolphins, you go back to the 70 to 21 over the Broncos. And I just did a piece on the Broncos defense, which slapped five years off of my life. <laughs> um, they ran for 350 yards and five touchdowns in that game. They are one of the two or three best runs. I think they're second in rushing DVOA behind only San Francisco, if I'm getting that. I can get that for, 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 Sorry, Aaron. If not, when Aaron comes on your show in a couple of weeks, you can just call me a moron because I got okay. Uh, wouldn't be the first time. Um, so the, the Dolphins are running really well, and the more I watch Brock Purdy's game against the Cowboys, and I wanted I wanted to bring this up because the whole thing is you know Mister Irrelevant. He's a point guard. Yeah, last year he was, and the weeks two and three against the Giants and the Rams, he was spraying the ball all over the place. He didn't look like he belonged on the field half the time, and then something clicked. And I'm watching these throws he's making in the third quarter against the Cowboys. And I'm like, okay, he's not just a point guard anymore. He's a shooter. He is he is running Shanahan's offense, yes. But he's doing things in scheme, 
tight window throws, anticipatory throws. He had a um, about a 20 yard in cut to Samuel in the third quarter. He had that thing, and it, the Cowboys were playing cover one. They flipped to Tampa two, and he read it all the way through, ran it from right to left. Samuel bent his route, and the, the second Samuel took that first step in, that's when Purdy threw the ball. I'm like, okay. Um, we got something here. here. It, Purdy's a really streaky guy. He may – I mean, they play the Browns defense, which is a really hell of a matchup. He may come out and just vomit all over himself. I have absolutely no idea with Purdy. It is it is Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You open it and like hey, I don't know. But if he plays like this, I mean, I they're number one in your power rankings. I don't know who's going to beat him. So I think it's interesting with the Dolphins and Niners how the perceived offensive personality and the actual offensive personality are really different things. And another thing about both of these teams is they're getting explosive plays out of heavy personnel. 21, 22. I think the Dolphins ran some 30 per like, you know, they're 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 forcing you into your base and you really don't have an answer for it. And we of course have to remember that from 17 to 20, um, or for four years, I don't the, the exact timeline, Mike McDaniel was Kyle Shanahan's run game coordinator. So right. you have those two guys in a room for four years dialing up the most devious run stuff you can imagine. That's like you know, you're seeing it. You're seeing it with both teams. So, yes, great offenses. We shouldn't take it for granted. Um, and in both cases, you know, and it, the thing with the Bills Dolphins game, the only reason the Dolphins didn't run it is because they got behind, and yeah. that's the only way really to stop them is to outscore them. And then the Bills just ran too high, and when they ran too high in the second quarter, that's when the Dolphins got their two rushing touchdowns. And then in the second half, they went too high, I think, 18 times. And that's, you know, not great for any quarterback. Wasn't great for Tua, but uh, on a neutral field, I think both of these offenses are incredible. And you brought up Purdy. Right now, he leads the league in EPA per play, adjusted EPA per play, EPA plus uh, CPOA composite success rate. He's he's playing as flawless as you can at, at the highest level in terms of playing quarterback. And I think we're always going to have this argument, this debate of, okay, well, how much of it is the Shanahan offense and how much is it him? Right now, I think we're seeing both guys, not just Brock Purdy, but Tua Tungabailoa, they're extensions of their respective quarterbacks. They just fit both of these schemes like Cinderella's shoe, where, you know, we can say, okay, yeah, you know, Mahomes and Allen and Justin Herbert probably have more like physical God-given talent. But in terms of like efficiency and just getting the job done and just fitting what a team needs you to do right now, both of them are doing exactly what they need to do to help their teams win. And, and like I said, we can have the arguments over you know talent versus efficiency, but I mean right now, man, these are the two most dangerous teams in football with you know guys that you know we wouldn't necessarily put in the quote unquote elite tier of you know the Mahomes and Josh Allen. Well, let's let's elevate the view on this overall. I mean, we don't really know how good Kenny Pickett is sure. in Matt Canada's offense. We don't know how problematic Dak Prescott is in a Mike McCarthy offense. We don't know. We didn't know last year how good Justin Herbert might be in Joe Lombardi's offense because his dot was like minus eight. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't great. And he would occasionally make these unbelievable throws downfield. I remember a couple that I put on uh, Twitter. It's like, God, free this guy. So it is the responsibility of any coach to maximize this, the, the situational success rate for his players. 
it just doesn't happen as much as it should. So then you get, you know, a McDaniel or a Shanahan or, or whoever. Well, he's just, okay, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is not making a throw over Leighton Van Der Esch's head right into Brandon Ayuk's hands right. on a timing throw where he has to hit it exactly. He has to he has to look off the safety, then he has to come back. And I'm watching explosive plays, not just explosive plays where guys are wide-ass open, because you're going to get that in both of these offenses, but explosive plays in contested tight window situations where the quarterback has to read through. And there are safety switches <clears throat> and you have these different things going on. Well, how does the quarterback handle that? And again, in weeks two and three, Purdy, I'm like, I, I saw a huge regression. Like, what is he doing? Like he's mechanically all over the place. His receivers had to bail him out. He would not be in those statistical high points without his receivers bailing him out then, but he has certainly earned it now. So when we're talking about like, Oh, he's a product of the system. Every quarterback is a system quarterback. And I go back to the first half of Tom Brady's first season in Tampa when Bruce Arians didn't like pre-snap motion. Bruce Arians didn't like the things that Tom Brady had. He wasn't really into option routes. Like all the stuff that Brady had feasted on for 20 years in New England, Arians didn't like it. And so he's overthrowing Scotty Miller by, you know, 15 yards and it just didn't look right. And they had they got waxed by the Saints for the second time that season, and then oh, they had the thirty-eight to three game on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Yeah. Really got yeah. waxed. And that well, the first game uh, they read two uh, quick flat throws, and I think Lattimore had a pick six, but they picked Brady. Oh, I think that was week one was when they yeah. when they faced for the first time. Right, week one. So then they had the bye, and then they came back, and it looked like a Brady offense. So the greatest quarterback of all time, you know is a system quarterback. You can't just throw a guy out there and, you know, expect him to roll the ball out and just do it. That that doesn't, especially in today's NFL where everything is so complex and everything moves so quickly. And these guys are all absolute, the worst player in the NFL could lift your house and run a, you know, <laughs> could outrun your car. So to say that a quarterback is a system quarterback, I'm tired of it being a pejorative statement because it isn't. Every quarterback is a system quarterback, every single one. So, you know, it feels like both these teams are going to though for, for potential Super Bowl matchup. And I feel like this is the Super Bowl that we deserve in terms of just, okay, let's see. Let's put up points. Let's go crazy. Super Bowl 58 is the the, the Super Bowl of, you know, the, the, the track teams, if you will. The Super Bowl 16 rematch. Um, yeah. Montana Marino. Well, the difference between the Niners and the Dolphins is that the Niners have a, a top five defense and the Dolphins yes. don't. Yes. And when Vic Fangio was, you know, brought over this offseason, everybody's like, oh, that's a signing of the offseason. And we really haven't seen that come to fruition yet. They lost Ramsey um, sure. and they put Kader Kohu, the slot corner, who was actually, my, I think, my fifth ranked slot defender in the offseason. He's a good player, not an outside guy. They put him on Stephon Diggs and Diggs flambate him for three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair to Kohu, Diggs is exactly the kind of receiver that gives Ramsey fits. The <coughs> really angular option route guys who can, you know, just hit you with stutters. And, you know, it, it may not have been much better with Ramsey at this point in his career. I don't know. I think Ramsey's more of an overhand guy than a straight man, like press corner. Um, but, you know, the personnel has been sort of an issue. Jalen Phillips has been in and out. Uh, Van Ginkle's played well. Christian Wilkins is an absolute stud. Him enough. 
But that defense, you know, they're going to lose some games where they can't outscore better teams. That's kind of what happened with the Bills. And when you take away their run, the, the run aspect of their offense, and again, we don't talk about the run aspect of their offense enough. When you are able to take it away, uh, as the Bills did, by just outscoring them, which seems impossible, but it's not, then they be, you know, you're playing with one hand on offense and kind of no hands on defense and you get beat. And, you know, the, I think it's week 17, week 18 in Miami. After I played another week 18, it's probably for the division. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a regular season playoff game. Maybe it's different, but I I see more vulnerabilities with the Dolphins by far than I do with the 49ers. And that that is almost entirely to do with their defense. How I big just, is the I love Vic, but I just haven't seen it yet and that's not really on Vic. That's it. And the thing about a Vic finds your defense, it's it, it's so because under Brian Flores and uh Boyer, the DC after Flores uh, got fired or whatever, um, they were heavy blitz, heavy single high. Like yeah. the highest blitz rate and the highest single. Oh, what is Vic? He doesn't blitz and he's playing too high. Philosophy. Even the guys who have been in that locker room, they're running completely different stuff. That's not going to win. That's not going to work overnight. So sure. Ramsey comes back maybe in the last month of the season. Maybe they get it together late. But right now, it's not quite there. And as far as putting them on an equal footing offensively, yes. Defensively, absolutely not. Right now, the the, the Dolphins were playing. They're kind of swimming in the middle of the pool. And then the Bills came around and it – whoa okay now, now we're seeing what it really is and i think i think that's a good point that you bring up too is the change in philosophy defensively ramsey not being there i think with time though you know th this change in philosophy they do have the personnel to make it work because with fangio's system it re really relies on the front four to win by themselves without any added pressure but you got guys like phillips and wilkins who can do that it's just a matter of Phillips staying healthy. When they're healthy, I think Phillips has been in and out the last couple of years or a couple of weeks, excuse me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not where it needs to be. If we're talking about those two teams in total being on the same level, we're not there yet. You brought up the Bills, and I did want to talk about uh, Bills-Jaguars. Um, I can't take away too much from the Bills, like losing that game. Uh, mostly because coming into the season, I said that the Jaguars were my number one seed in the AFC. I I think it was just two really good teams going at it. Both of them are now three and two. I don't see Buffalo any different than I did coming into the game. You know, they lost to a good team. Jacksonville was a game, and they needed to win. You know, they've been over in London for the extra week. I know that you know, Bills fans were upset about, oh, Buffalo didn't go out till Friday for a Sunday morning game. I get that. Um, but I don't see Buffalo any different now than I did going into the week. I do. Okay. Well, they already lost Trey White for the season. I think they've lost Matt Milano for the season. He's their best defensive player. They the injury lost, killed them on that side of the ball. They lost Daquan Jones, who's been their best pass rusher over the last few weeks for an undetermined amount of time. So now you've got your best corner, your best linebacker, one of the top three linebackers in the league. It's like Warner, Milano, and whoever. Sure. Um, and now you've lost, and they're running, they're rushing with four a lot. They're not blitzing a lot. So not your, your best interior pass rusher is gone. These are problems. And, you know, the Von Miller didn't finish that game either, if I'm not mistaken. What's that? Von Miller didn't finish that game, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't remember because I was too busy focusing on, oh, God, what are they going to do without Milano? Um, yeah, they can't win a championship without both Milano and Trey Wayne. 
They can, but it's going oh, to be on Ken Dorsey's going to have to put on his Bill Walsh costume. Let's put it that way. Okay. It's going to take everything to go perfectly offensively for that. Like Dorian Williams played well in relief of Matt. I like, Lyle. yeah, and I think Dorian Williams can be a, a starter in this league. I like sure. Dorian like his college tape a lot but now it becomes you know and how how much they feel watching zach moss tear it up with the colts <laughs> ouch so now you're in another position again another year josh allen has to be superman well how many times have we seen this and how many times does it not work in the playoffs so i don't know if the bills were fully healthy on defense or reasonably healthy on defense you i mean you've lost trey white before and you've made it pretty far in the playoffs. Milano, though, I, I love Terrell Bernard. He has exceeded everyone. He's playing really well. But Milano, man, and Daquan Jones, it was one of those things where a guy's been in the league, what, seven, eight years, and all of a sudden, bang, the light goes on, and he's all the way there. I think he uh, I think he leads the league in um, in win rate among pass rushers. Uh, he's way up there. So... <clears throat> As far as the Bills, what I came out with, and the Jaguars' defense, which nobody talks about, is playing a lot better than people think. Guys they, like, I heard they came into week five with like the five, the, the fifth best defensive team in terms of efficiency and whatnot. That, that's yeah, I think they're top 10 in DVOA. So, um, and the interesting thing about that game, I mean, Lawrence had some really cool throws, but their run game wasn't going, and I, they were using a lot of like speed tempo no huddle, but they were using it to accentuate the run game. They were catching the bills in some run and the bills do not have a good run defense anyway. Right. So they were catching the bills in some stuff that maybe they didn't want to be in against the run. And they just kept spamming it with speed, no huddle. I think Lawrence had two or three attempts out of no huddle, but they were running the ball. And I thought, you know, Doug Peterson, I think he's taken play calling back a little bit from Press Taylor, I think it is. Um, anyway, whoever was calling the offensive plays was in his bag. Yeah, and, you know, down the stretch, he made that that over-the-shoulder throw to Ridley. Um, yeah. I questioned why I think it was Micah Hyde was on Calvin Ridley at that point. I haven't watched the tape on it yet. But lining up your safety on Calvin Ridley in that situation just felt weird. Yeah, I was watching that play today, and I, I, I've watched so many plays today. <laughs> I'm prepping for the Cosell podcast. I'm, like, force-feeding myself tape. Um, I think it was a situation where he ran – there was something going on in the middle of the field where the corner had to vacate and Hyde had to take over. Okay. Right, it was well, one of those things. Okay, fair um, yeah, he had a deep crosser to Christian Kirk where uh, it was Dane Jackson, and Kirk just hit him with this uh, little – <laughs> cut and Jackson was like, I don't even know what to do with this. They got some. Um, it's an interesting team. You know, they're they're better. They they're almost better on defense than they're on offense. And I have to watch more Jaguars defensive tape because that's a that's one of those things that starts to pop up. And you're like, oh, okay, put a pin in that, and we'll get to it. Which is weird too, because obviously it was the opposite in terms of the mindset for everybody coming into the league about coming into this week about Jacksonville was okay. It's going to be the Trevor Lawrence and the offense just having to score teams because their defense probably isn't going to, you know, be as good as some of the elite units in the league. But you got guys, okay, Josh Allen is stepping up. We've seen flashes from Fabon Walker. Secondaries look pretty good. I think Darius Williams had a pick against Josh Allen this past weekend. Um, yeah, it's been it's been uh, the complete opposite where, 
you know, the Jaguars have had trouble scoring this year. Like even, yeah, they beat Atlanta, but they didn't put up a lot of points and their defense set them up in positions to score. They had a pick six. Um, they only put up what, nine points against Kansas City. They haven't really been explosive offensively, which is a little bit surprising considering what we saw down the stretch last season. Yeah, and that may be – well, it may be a situation where they're just sort of getting everything together because um, Kirk was essentially the number one receiver last year. Yeah. Now you bring in Ridley, and we think, well, he's a force multiplier. That'll just – you know, everything will go this way. Anytime you put a new element into your offense, everyone goes one rung down and you have to adjust to, okay, that was the X ISO, I'm on the flanker. Crap. <laughs> what do I do now? Uh, and Kirk has been that, but he, but he has to get used to or reused to, okay, I was the, maybe I was the flanker in Arizona when Hopkins was there, but now I got to get used to it in this offense. This offense is different. So we, we make these empirical statements about, well, you get this guy and it's better. And yes, but over time, over time, it has to happen over time. Everything, offense, football teams are holistic entities that doesn't just happen. It has to integrate. I do want to talk about this though with the Vikings. Justin Jefferson missing the next four games at least. You're one and four at this point if you're the Vikings. Why not just you know quietly mail it in and try to get your quarterback in the future? Kirk Cousins isn't going to be there next year. No, maybe. Maybe you trade your cousins now to – I mean, we said the Jets for like the past month. I don't know if that ship has sailed or not. But it feels like, okay, let's let's take care of Justin Jefferson you know, in terms of offloading some money, making sure he gets paid. Let's ride this with the rookie quarterback next year and just kind of accept our fate for the rest of the season. Um, I, I don't see – I think that their season's probably you know done for the better part of this year. They're not going to be a Super Bowl team. They're one and four. What what say you? They're not going to be a playoff team. Brian Flores is a great defensive coordinator, but he does not have a lot to work with. Um, I said all along this was a two year project on defense, and you know without Jefferson, it's (laughs) that's tough go. Who I'm looking now? Who do they have? They have well, they have the Bears, and they have Forty Niners. Ouch! They have Joe Barry's Packers, so Kirk could uh, tear that up. Falcons. Icy on both sides of the ball. Then it's the Saints. Ouch. Broncos. Hilarious. Uh, I mean, but the, yeah, they're not. And the, every bit of luck they had last year has regressed. Completely out the window. Whiplash regressed. Like, whoa. So, and losing Jefferson, yeah, that's a problem. Obviously. So, do they, do they trade Cousins? I mean, they're, they're going to get calls, sure. Um, maybe the Jets go... Yeah, we'll do the Renna QB thing. And since Aaron's busy trying to set up back debates with Travis Kelsey, he's occupied, so I guess he won't care. The entire thing, like, I'm not saying like it still can't be done, obviously, it can be. Um, but if you're the Jets, I mean, you're two and three right now. Zach Wilson is not playing god awful like we've seen before, but he's not moving the needle for them. I, I know it's the lazy, you know, question to ask, but this point, like the Kirk Cousins thing can still happen. Well, if you're the Jets, you have to look at the fact that in in this millennium, you've had three teams win a Super Bowl with a quarterback who was subpar. Two thousand Ravens, two thousand two Buccaneers, the twenty fifteen Broncos with Zombie Peyton Manning, and those were three of the best defenses in NFL history. The Jets are close to that, but there is there's no margin for error. 
And Zach yeah. Wilson doesn't give them any margin for error. He's just not – he's he can't read progressions. He'll make these shot plays, but then he'll make the other kind. <laughs> he can make all the throws, including all the bad ones. So if you bring Cousins in there, it's a complimentary offense, and maybe you get to a Super Bowl that way. I mean, everything – the offensive line isn't great, but Cousins is used to playing behind an offensive line that isn't great. Right. That's, you know – He's fine with that. He's certainly serviceable. He's a top, I don't know, 12 quarterback. So and the Vikings are going to get calls. Uh, they're probably going to be drafting in the top eight. Now, where you are with Caleb Williams and Drake May and Shadur Sanders and whoever, um, you know, I think it's Caleb Williams and then it's everyone else. I'm not as high oh, yeah. as some people are. but And Shadur, I love him, but – it's like he's got Sam Howell disease, like get rid of the ball. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Justin Fields has that too. It happens. Um, but as far as, you know, the Jets are the obvious choice because they pretty much have everything else. But, yeah, if I'm the Vikings, I'm certainly looking at it because you're going to get a first-round pick for that. And, you know, you're going to need to stock up on those first-round picks because you're still rebuilding a team. Yeah. The uh... – the New England Patriots have been outscored 69 to 3 over their past two games. They are last in the NFL in EPA per play on offense. Um, you brought up Kenny Pickett earlier, just as a little side note. It, it it's dawned on me over the last few weeks just how parallel the Steelers and the Patriots are right now in terms of, okay, they've got you know a legendary head coach where you know they're defensive-minded, you know, they're all the defense is always going to be there, but they're trying to make something out of nothing with mediocre quarterback play, bland offense, and right now it's biting them in the butt. The Patriots more so than the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers have somehow found their way in first place in their division where the Patriots uh, have only won one game so far. But the parallels between both teams are striking. And right now with New England, like, if you're Bill Belichick, what are you doing? Like, you're one in four. Matt Jones isn't good. I don't think Bailey Zappi's going to turn your season around, and he's throwing to who? I just don't see what's going to – plus Christian Gonzalez is gone. The defense is going to be worse about him. I don't know. The ship is sinking, and the empire is collapsing in New England. Well, when Pickett came out, my conference was Kirk Cousins, and it was the floor is bad Kirk and the ceiling is good Kirk. I think Kenny Pickett is a much better quarterback than Mac Jones. Oh, I, I do too. I do too. When I watched Jones's college tape, I thought third to fourth round grade. I thought Pickett was high to mid-second. I, I – you know, it wasn't like I didn't think – I've only watched one quarterback, and I won't mention his name because he's been through some stuff and he's no longer with us. I've only watched one quarterback where I ever thought undraftable, and he was a pretty high pick. Um, Jones, I thought uh, – is Mac Jones and Daniel Jones, that was about the same, third or fourth round. I didn't get – get along went to the senior bowl and saw a practice and took him, what, sixth overall, and I'm like, that's yeah. what I want. Yeah. Just like more athletic Mac Jones, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty good. I mean, maybe that's a better comp. I think if you, I think if you put Mac Jones and Matt Canada's offense, it would be a Division Two college football team. I think if you put Kenny Pickett with Bill O'Brien, you'd have something. Let's okay. put it that. Um, but with I mean Belichick, it's he's playing with his food. He had. Mm -hmm. uh, Patricia and Judge running his offense last year. He brings back Bill O'Brien. Outside of his kids, there's no one new. Um, you know, he's kind of 
Van Halen had its Van Halen three, right? That that's kind of where they are. I understand. The, I, the, I don't the, think it's fixable in the short term. Let's put it that way. No. Belichick is getting up there. Maybe he wants to go somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe he'll be told to go somewhere else. We would have that. Do you think that Robert Kraft would have the balls to fire the Belichick? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like the thought process here. Or let's say he does stay. Does he go out? Robert of Kraft had the balls to sign off on Tom Brady leaving. That That's was true. even worse than firing Belichick. In my That's opinion. true. Let's say Bill Belichick does stay, though. Does he get a little bit aggressive in the offseason and say, okay, we'll go get a Kirk Cousins or trade for a Kyler Murray or, or something of that, of that sort? Well, he might be in the – uh, he might be maybe he would have Drake Mason, Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy, uh, you know, those guys, sweepstakes. Bo Nix feels like a guy that would go to the Patriots. Yep, goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, Matt, I'm, Mac Jones ain't it? He's he's not, he looks like a career back, like a high level backup to me. I don't want to sit here and insult him. I don't, sure. He's not like terrible, he's just not good. I'm trying to think of like a good, like long-term backup that Mac Jones could be. Maybe like a Matt Flynn. Yeah. We'll go with Matt Flynn. Um, yeah. so the Patriots just need their Russell Wilson to come in and, you know. I was there for that first rookie mini camp when they signed Flynn to that $30 million deal, and I went with uh, – yeah, Went to the first rookie mini camp, and it was like Russell's fourth snap in a Seahawks uniform, and he – Cross body throw 30 yards downfield, right over the corner, biscuit in the basket to the receiver. And I turned to my friend Liz Matthews, who used to write for Seahawks Wire, and I said, Matt Flynn will not start a game. That guy's it. That guy's it. I don't care how much they pay him. I, it, he's not going to beat this kid out. That was a lot That was a lot more fun story to tell two years ago. But Sure, right. Wasn't, uh, wasn't Terrell Owens on that team in the preseason? I, I no, it was, uh, no, it was uh, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Okay. So I, I watched that with the Lions and actually was pretty good with the Seahawks for a bit. I did want to ask real quick your thoughts because um, the AFC South, we touched on Jacksonville. Um, CJ Stroud playing fantastic right now. They lose on, on uh, a last second field to Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if they're similar to what Jacksonville did last year, where they start off a little bit slow, but Stroud's playing fantastic football right now. He's protecting the ball. Yep. I can see them making a run at winning eight, nine games, especially with the the, uh, the way that their offense is playing. Defensively, we know how good mine D'Amico Ryan's is. Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, seems to really have his offense clicking. He's, he's great. Yeah. yeah, and of course, Slowick comes from Shanahan in there. Yeah. I think they have the, – it's the Dolphins, the Niners, and the Texans. One, two, three in past attempts out of 21. So Kyle is expanding his reach. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you and I have both said this, right? They are this year's Lions from last year. Mm, where yes. You're you're going to beat them probably, but, man, it's going to suck. You're, you're going to have to take I'm going to beat the hell out of you. You know, you're – it'll be the, the first Rocky fight. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, no rematch. Go one one. That that's who they are, and Ryan's who I figured would be a great head coach. Everyone's bought in. Yeah, um, I think maybe weird stuff happens and they sneak into the playoffs. But next year, yeah. And Stroud was my QB one in this class by a pretty wide margin. Just ball placement ninja, much more mobile than people thought. The narratives start to stick, and you go, "Oh, you can't." No, watch the Georgia game. Hello, uh, and even before that, 
but yeah, they're 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 an interesting team to watch. I I need to I need to watch their offense more than I have, but from what I've seen, yeah, this is for real. You know, we talked about the 49ers a lot. We didn't talk about the team who they destroyed. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they, they will be facing the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday Night Football. God bless Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for that 60 minutes that will take place. Who needs that game more? I'm going to talk about this with Mike Tanier later on in the week, but in your opinion, who needs that game more, the Chargers or the Cowboys? Kellen Moore Bowl, baby. We just had the Nathaniel yes. Hackett Bowl, and now we have the Kellen Moore Bowl. Yes. Aggrieved offensive coordinators getting their revenge. Uh, the Cowboys need it more because, well, uh, as you know, Jared, I've been writing about Mike McCarthy for 10 years, and I'm not surprised by this. I'll just leave it at that. And and Dan Quinn's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. So, the lovely and talented Kyle Madsen and I did Ford on territory yesterday, and I brought up that Jerry might want to keep Dan around. And if they go into this, if if they're starting to leak out of the playoffs as the season goes along, I don't know. You know, what do you what do you, you think they have to accomplish? If you wanted to call this offense, buddy, and this is what you're doing, really, seriously, have you uh, have you seen that video uh, on Twitter with the uh, the uh, I guess it was like a TikToker or something watching the game and reacting, just yelling at his TV? Oh, was that the guy? Was it Virgin Behavior? You called it? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing I tweeted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've watched that no less than 15 times and I cackle every time. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen. If you're going to, I mean, like pull a, do a John Bonham on your TV and make it interesting. Like destroy some furniture. I want, I want collateral damage to, I want friendly fire in your living room. If we're going to do this, don't just yell. I mean, come on, break something. So I'm going to physical humor. Let's, let's, you know, I, agree. You I have limited that? time. I need, I want to be impress me. <laughs> what do you think Dallas has to accomplish this season for Mike McCarthy to be completely secure next year? Like, does it have to be an appearance in the NFC Championship game? Do they have to win a playoff game? What is like his floor to be the, the head coach of Dallas? Well, he makes Jerry comfortable. Uh, that's number one. Uh, if they get to the divisional round, you know, they can say, well, we traded Amari Cooper. We need another receiver. Maybe we need some help on the offensive line. <laughs> we, you know, that losing Trevon Diggs for the season, you can use that as an excuse. The number one thing that any they had Jason Garrett as their head coach for ten years. The number one thing you must do is make Jerry comfortable. Jason Garrett. Anything, anything beyond that is gravy. Every time I see Jason Garrett on TV, I get uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know if you have that same feeling, but it's just like, oh, he just gives me the willies. I mean, I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy. I don't know. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Uh, what do you have coming for the lovely people on Touchdown Wire this week? Well, we're getting ready for the Greg Cosell X's and O's podcast uh, Wednesday morning, which I always learn a lot from because Greg, as we all know, is the god of uh, LS tape denizens. So <laughs> working on that. I'm recovering from my Broncos defense, all 22, which if you want to go to Touchdown Wire and read that, uh, my apologies in advance. Working on a piece on actually Brock Purdy, uh, not just a point guard. He's a shooter. That's kind of my premise. Uh, working on the Niners Browns. That's going to be fascinating. You can just, you know, all kinds of stuff on Touchdown Wire. Jared's Power Rankings, his piece on Dolphins 49ers. Natalie Miller's fantasy stuff. The great Barry Warner doing things his way. And, uh, yeah, we're just, we're rocking. We're keeping it going.
Yes, come read all of our, our staff stuff on Touchdown Wire. We work very hard and we do great stuff. And our fearless leader is joining me here. Doug, I, you know, I tell you this every time I, I get the chance to, um, but you know, I appreciate the hell out of you for all that you've done for me, you know, going from idolizing you from afar to, you know, the friendship that we have means a lot to me. And I appreciate all the time that you always give me. It means a lot to me. And I look forward to continuing to do stuff like this with you in the future. Well, I'm sorry that you had to meet me and like you know blow the whole thing, but uh, <laughs> really enjoy working with you. And uh, yeah, let's keep it going. I appreciate you, my friend. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this week's pumping. Mike Tanier will be joining me on Thursday. So I'm on. I'm on Mike. He's like my best friend in this. I don't know if I've said this on the air. Mike is my best friend in this business. He and I are just. And Aaron Shots, who you'll have on. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Aaron because he hired me in 2006. For football outsiders you know, the, the the entire group of you guys you know i i grew up you know reading oh god aaron's coaching tree is insane he got me and all the same year it's like <laughs> jesus it, it is crazy um but i grew up you know reading mike stuff and your stuff and shots and stuff so you know going from you know being the the kid in middle school reading you know the football outsiders almanac to now yep. doing this alongside you know, the people who I read that did it. it. It's been a really cool coming of age thing for me personally. So I'm forever grateful for not just you, but for you know, Tamir and Shots and just everybody who, you know, looks out for me a little bit. It's, it, well, it's, it's, it's you determined, rise up, man. That's that's how it goes. That's People did it for me. I'm going to do it for other people. I appreciate it. Just, I, just on a, a quick, I mean, I had... When I came up in the early to mid 2000s, it was still a very newspaper run industry. Mm -hmm. And I got so many, there's stories I could tell that I won't. Um, the newspaper guys looked down on me <laughs> in way, and I've had a couple of them ask me for jobs since. It's like, see if you can guess what I'm thinking now. It's two words, and I can only say one of them. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, George Carlin, seven words that you can't say on TV. Is that, is yeah, that, is that well, the, the Carlin at Carnegie, where he went on for five minutes with the other words, all of them, then probably a few others. <laughs> George Carlin is our God. Yes, he is. Absolutely. May he rest in peace forever. Yes. All right. I could talk about George Carlin for another hour by itself, but I know that hey. you, you've got stuff to do, and uh, I'm writing up a few. I guess I'll cover what I'm doing. Yeah, go read the. Um, the piece I did on Touchdown Wire for 49ers and Dolphins and what they're doing. Yes. Power rankings as well. Um, all of my usual wit that I got from the Mike Tenier School of Journalism. Um, that That's always plugged in there as well. And then, oh yeah, behind the steel curtain. I'm doing a piece right now on Kenny Pickett and the rose-tinted glasses that other Steelers media seem to have for this poor fellow. Um, <laughs> Try not to be mean to Kenny Pickett. I like him as a guy. Um but so that'll be out probably tomorrow morning on Behind the Steel Curtain. If you're listening to this as a podcast, it'll probably it factor, huh? What's that? It factor, huh? Yeah, the it factor is that he's last in the NFL in EPA per play, but that's neither here. I think that it was all the passes that Lamar Jackson's receivers dropped, but that's eight drops, Doug Farrar. Yes, eight drops, three of them were touchdowns. Whatever, it was like two of 10 on passes of 20 or more air yards, and I think five were dropped. It's the Lamar Jackson deserves better than what he's been given. Yes. That's it's like the Bears quarterbacks. I think there's a Ravens receiver curse. Oh, that's good. What are there's you going to combine the Bears quarterbacks? Yeah, like the one position that every team has a curse with. There's your listicle. That would, oh, 
Well, I'll text you after this. I think that that could be something. What are the Steelers like left now? Steelers? What would there be? I'd have to think offensive line. For the past like half decade, and I can't even say that because Joe Hayden was a nice addition that they had at corner. No, they've had good corners all the way through. And Porter's going to be great. As soon as Porter's fantastic. As soon as I, how should I put this, put him on the field. Um, yeah, you can yell at Mike, Mike Tomlin and uh, Terrell Austin for that. Hopefully this past weekend uh, opens their eyes. Love both of those guys. I'm not saying any, I will never say anything bad about Mike T, even when I'm thinking it. Blame right. Canada. Canada. Blame Canada. Amen. All right, I'm going to go turn on South Park and watch that. I appreciate you very much, Doug Farrar, and uh, look forward to uh, all we will continue to do together. Absolutely, my friend. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Pump Bank. Tune in later on this week. I'll be joined by Mike Tanier, so tune in then. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.